What is up, Locked On Podcast Network? Let's go. Friday edition of the Locked On Irish Podcast. I'm your lead host, Greg Schaefer. So stoked to be with you guys today. Senior weekend. What else would we be talking about today? But Notre Dame, BC, the Holy War. So pumped to bring you this show. Me and my crew, we're about to go out tonight. We got two, we got a high school game tonight, high school game tomorrow. So shout out to uh, Bishop Hartley as they take on Jonathan Alder, Division Three uh, Regional Championship. And tomorrow night, uh, Region 27, Division 7, uh, Newark Catholic taking on Harvest Prep. So shout out to those guys. We'll be out there providing them coverage tomorrow evening and tonight. So got to get this show in. Uh, BC preview and Notre Dame preview. Before we get rocking too much further, remember, follow us on Twitter at Locked On Irish. We are the official Notre Dame podcast of the Locked On Podcast Network. Said it earlier this week, you know, maybe you were on the Locked On Network before. You got a friend that might like Notre Dame, and you're like, man, there's no uh, Notre Dame podcast on there. Well, we're here now. We are here. We're here to stay. So pumped to bring you this show today. And Sunday, the crew will all be back. Will, Mark in the house, and our side project, uh, East of the Bend, we got a new person that we are training this weekend and could be full-time, could be a nice little addition to the team, uh, nice contributor, but we'll we'll see. We'll see how things go. It's always interesting when you about don't have to know what you're doing and you're trying to teach somebody who has no idea what they're doing, so... Should be good stuff. It's good stuff. I guess like everything else that we've ever done in uh, sports media, just go at it, see what happens. So sorry I missed you guys yesterday, but we're going to do a Friday show, as in today, and then uh, tomorrow I uh, got another show planned. Uh, wow, Notre Dame just barely uh, slipped past Toledo. I told you. I tried to tell everybody that was going to be a going to be a tough one. But uh, we'll get to that tomorrow. And also tomorrow, we'll talk about uh, some good jobs in sports and uh, in college football. And, uh, you know, some of them might be surprising of what I think are bad jobs in college football. And then I'm going to get to the senior class, uh, the 2016 recruiting class that will be walking on the field tomorrow for the last time. And we'll just kind of gauge some of them have transferred. Some of them didn't even make it to fall camp. And some of them, you know, they've become captains. So we'll definitely get to that tomorrow. But as of right this moment, we have BC Week is here. Holy War. Let's go. So pumped for this game tomorrow. This is my favorite rivalry of the teams that are like rivals of Notre Dame. Uh, I'll tell you why. You know, Navy, they're a mid-major, if you will. They're a non-Power 5. Navy's Navy. You know, it just happened. Uh, Michigan State, we don't even really play them anymore. We could have had something good there. But Michigan State, their big rivalry is Michigan. Michigan, it, it goes without saying. I don't care what anybody says. Their rival, it's a high state. It's a high state, hands down. And then that brings us to another one, USC. And this is, I, I know, I'm the unpopular guy. I, I have the, the the hot takes, if you will. But you know what? It's I don't find it to be that hot of a take. I don't think Notre Dame and SC is a great rivalry. I think it's a great rivalry from the perspective of they just played together, played against each other a really long time. To me, a great rivalry transcend, and maybe it's because of where I live. I'm here in Central Ohio, you know, and I tell you what, I live around this Ohio State Michigan thing. I've talked to people about Alabama and Auburn and the Iron Bowl, and they Florida Florida State comes to mind as well of rivalries that transcend the main sport. And let me tell you what I'm talking about. So when Ohio State and Michigan play on the basketball court, it's a huge deal. 
when they do it in hockey, it's a pretty big deal as well. They could be on the same uh, the same uh, uh, golf range together. Golf range? I don't golf. I don't know. Uh, it, yeah, golf course. There you go. Um, same golf course together. It's a big deal. Same with Alabama, Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Georgia Tech comes to mind. These are all rivalries that transcend the main sport that it was built around. And I just, you know, Notre Dame doesn't really play USC in anything else. In fact, they're pumping up a Notre Dame UCLA in basketball. And, you know, it just, uh, you know, I, nothing else, no other rivalry out there. I, I'm trying to think of one that really stands out. I mean, you know, even in North Carolina and Duke, that, you know, it's not as big in the football field, but, you know, obviously basketball is huge, but it's still a North Carolina and Duke, you know? Um, so, yeah, that, I mean, you know, unpopular opinion, but that's just my opinion. You know, they're, and they're not even close to one another, you know? And, and that, not to say that Notre Dame and what I'm about to say, Boston College, I just is close to one another, but that Northeast contingent of mixed people of Boston College fans, and we have a lot of Northeast contingent of Notre Dame fans, and, you know, I, it's just something I've always felt that I feel like it's the most mishandled rivalry in all of college football. I mean, we're the only other Catholic school that plays major college football. Um, so we kind of have that same tie in there. And after what happened in 93, I hate to bring it up, but it laid the foundation for a great rivalry. It, it did. It laid the foundation for a great rivalry. And, you know, it, not to say that D.C.'s our equivalent by any stretch of the imagination, but in the Michigan-Michigan State rivalry, I mean, somebody's little brother. Um, but for a while, you know, Michigan, uh, Boston College, excuse me, Boston College had a nice little streak going against us. Um, it's not like that they've just been a total slouch over the years when they come to play us. Now, historically, overall success, no, they don't even measure up one iota. That's why we, the backup college uh, t-shirts exist out there. But, I mean, these guys, you know, as far as the mishandling of this rivalry, they didn't even start playing until 1975. Took eight years off to 83, played in 83 and 87, and then picked it back up at 92 where they had a, you know, nice stretch going. The 93 thing happened. And then they played each other every year up until, uh, what is it here? Up until 04, they took a couple years off, brought it back in 08, 9, 10, 11, 12, couple years off and now this ACC deal's kind of thrown everything all around you know we don't you know we play a rotating schedule of five ACC schools uh and you know BC they've kind of held their own especially in the early 2000s they won six games they had uh, almost a winning record against us overall um now we've taken uh six straight or five straight going for yeah six straight going for our seventh tomorrow yes I know the one game in 2012 supposedly doesn't count it's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life is taking away wins I'm just down on college football, apparently. I don't like Notre Dame, USC. Maybe I don't like college football. Maybe it's like deep down in, I don't really like it. That's impossible. I freaking love it. But uh, <laughs> I do. I mean, I, I'm down on the, the Notre Dame-USC rivalry. I think that the Notre Dame's-BC has been tremendously mishandled, and I guess we all hate the NCAA, so we can all get on the same page with that at least, that taking away wins is stupid. Everybody knows it. It's It's ignorant. It's it's dumb. Taking away a Heisman's dumb. Like we all remember it. We all knew it happened. It's dumb. Okay. It's it's stupid. It's one of the many things the NCAA's come up with. It's like, oh, let's do. It's like they got a dartboard and they just throw things against the wall and they're like, yep, that's what we're gonna do to this school. Let's take away wins. Can we erase their men, memory, Men in Black style? Nah. We just want everybody to acknowledge that game didn't happen. So frustrating, man. So freaking frustrating. But. 
let's get to the game itself. Um, we got about a minute-ish here for the break, so let's just talk a little special teams, and then we'll really dive deep down into uh, this uh, game known as the Holy War. So special teams-wise, um, they got a they got a kicker, not great, Aaron Boomery, Baumery, uh, thirty-nine of fifty-six for his career. He's got a long of 52, but that was like two years ago. Uh, this year, he's 8 of 13, 5 of 10 this year from beyond 30 yards. Long this year is 45. So obviously, he can hit from past 40, but it's a flip of a coin. So, I mean, that's like an extra defender, in my opinion. If, you know, they're driving and we force them to a uh, over a 30-yard field goal, I mean, think, think about that. Right now, 5 out of 10 times, it's a flip of a coin. Flip of a coin if this kid can hit from beyond 30. That's a hell of a defender, in my opinion. Force a field goal. Make this kid kick. Make him kick. Um, you know, that is, that's great. To, that's great info to know. You know, if this kid comes out, he bangs a bunch of field goals out uh, all of a sudden from over 50 yards or over 40, well, okay, you, you take that all day long. I mean, you take field goals to touchdowns anyway. But in this particular scenario, Man, if they are able to move the ball, which this podcast could actually be real easy, this Notre Dame-BC preview, you know how easy it could be? A.J. Dillon, stop him, you win. If not, could be closer than it should be. And then I could just like cut off the recording. Um, it's really that simple. However, I got a responsibility here, and I'm going to knock this, knock this podcast out. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know, not a great kicker. He's the only guy kicking on the team. They're not even really trying anything else. Um, so yeah, it just, like I said, an extra, almost like an extra defender. They get down in there, you know, it's close to the red zone. Hey, if you can keep them to forcing them to kick over a 30 yard field goal, just don't give up touchdowns. Don't give them any life. Don't breathe any life into this team. Uh, yeah, we are right up against it. So let's take a quick break and we'll finish off special teams and get to the defense. All right, back at it here. Uh, to wrap up the... Special teams, they do have a running back that returns the majority of their kicks, Travis Levy. Um, and bulk of the returns, 27 returns this year, 641 total yards, 12 punt returns for 102. He has not taken one back to the house yet. Um, so just just something to keep in mind. Does, ha does nice things on the return game. Uh, but again, not, not really super explosive about what you would expect from a just average ACC team, which is what this team has become. Um, as I said earlier, you know, Notre Dame leads this series now 14 to nine after reeling off the last six, uh, going for seven in a row, which would be a record as far as the streak goes against either team. Uh, BC is led by head coach Steve Adazio, who I had a lot of respect for. I mean, I still respect the guy. He's done nothing wrong, but it's like, I thought he was going to be much more successful. He actually coached at Notre Dame, uh, from 99 to 01, uh, tight end special teams, he is 43 and 43 right now at BC and 56 and 54 overall. And this stat really blew me away. He is 1 and 19 at Boston College versus ranked opponents and 1 and 22 overall. Ew. The only win he has is over SC, which good for you, in 2012. Crazy, man. Crazy. I I definitely thought that he was you know, had a lot more worth to him than just whatever that is. Um, you know, he's going to he, you know, and he seems like he's chronically like seven and six. I think he has like five or six, seven and six seasons while he's been at BC. Just really expected more from this guy coming in and uh, came in from Temple. Had a really nice year his first year at Temple, and then the next year kind of struggled, and then got the job right after that. 
Um, so they are coming off a bye like the rest of our schedule is. Uh, their last game, they lost 38-31 to Florida State. Um, they've lost two of three. Last win was over Syracuse, who ceased to play football after the Maryland uh, blowout, 58-27. I mean, I guess one of those teams had to look good in that game. Uh, their other wins, NC State, Rutgers, Richmond, Virginia Tech. Actually, the best they've looked is in their first game, 35-28 win over Virginia Tech. Really seemed like things were clicking. And those two teams have kind of went in different directions. A couple weeks later, um, one of their losses, one of their worst losses is to Kansas. Remember, Les Miles is hanging out in Kansas. He's got a nice back, pretty highly rated back out of high school. Puka Williams went off in that game. But they lost a game at home to Kansas and made Les Miles and the Jayhawks and Rock Chalk Jayhawk um, relevant for a half minute. But they lost 48-24 at home. Bad. Not good, if you're asking. If you're listening to this and saying, Greg, is that good? No, it's bad. Uh, if they did play Clemson this year, lost 59-7. to They only completed six passes in that game. Not, not Again, not good. Not good by any stretch of the imagination. So before we jump into the offense, I'm kind of jumping all around here. Had some notes, but just kind of going off the cuff, I actually do know quite a bit about this team. I follow. I usually follow the other Catholic school a little bit. Um, I always wanted to head out there to a game. Um, just to see the difference in how the game days are and what the campus is like. I've heard it's a beautiful campus. They re- they heavily recruit Ohio. If you remember, they uh, took Keekley out of Cincinnati. Um, really nice player. It's a shame he couldn't end up at Notre Dame. And they have a, speaking of that, they actually have a uh, linebacker that kind of mimics Keekley, a little undersized, um, six foot, 230. But he leads the t- team in tackles with 94. 14 for loss, three and a half sacks. He leads the team in all the three of those categories. Um, he's going to be all over the field. And really, this game's just going to come down to can we keep Max Richardson from making a difference? Take him out of the game. You know, we're going to be fine. Um, Coach Kelly even alluded to earlier this week this is a defense that historically has sent some nice players to the NFL. And as of this moment, it's just they're very young. And you know, the line of scrimmage, I rewatched the Florida State game this morning, and the line of scrimmage is just getting moved against them. And I, I don't see any reason we shouldn't. We haven't been able to run the ball all year, but I feel like we're going to be able to find some success with the ground game this year. Now, I will say one thing about Richardson that I did watch is it just kind of, I feel like he, he guesses a lot, and sometimes he guesses wrong. And it also allows him to get, kind of get caught up in the wash on defense. You know, when the line of scrimmage is getting moved, he's kind of he's having to pick. It, it, you know, it almost reminds me of Niles Morgan in 2016. Yeah, 2016, where he's just he's getting beat up by his own guys because they're getting pushed so far into him, and he's just having to pick. So whether or not he's guessing wrong or the the defensive line is so bad, I mean, there's no Harold Landry on this team. Landry was a stud who plays for the Titans now, second round pick in 20, 2018 draft. Um, that guy doesn't exist. Uh, they do, like I said, they do have a nice middle linebacker. Um, they have a nice cornerback too. A guy to keep an eye out on, uh, eye out on for yeah, him too. Uh, is uh Jason uh, Montry. He only stands five foot ten though, but leads the team with six pass breakups. And he had an INT that went back to the house this year. Um, you know, just by saying that, five foot ten. He's probably going to be locked up with Claypool. I mean, this and this is a matchup nightmare for BC. Absolute nightmare for this team. I mean, you got to believe that we have to take advantage of this matchup all day long. You got a six foot four, depending upon what publication you read or who you believe, six foot five wide receiver in Claypool, and he's built like an animal. 
I mean, come on. We got to take advantage of this matchup against a five foot ten undersized corner. There, it, it's unacceptable if Clark Lee cannot make that happen. And again, you know, get if they're this undersized on defense. I don't have their entire roster in front of me right now to look at their uh, DBs overall. Uh, and, or they're in their linebackers. Their linebackers didn't seem incredibly big as I was watching them on uh, tape this morning. But Cole Komet, I keep saying it, and I keep saying it. Cole Komet, let's go. You know, I'm looking right now. It uh, looks like John Lamott, six foot two forty. I mean, they're all sitting at about six foot tall. Mike Palmer, six one. He's a DB. I mean, obviously, you'd probably have a linebacker or safety rolled up on Komet. Um. Eight track is six foot. Tanner Carafa is like a drop linebacker. Now he's six three. That could be something, but I don't imagine he would have the speed to keep up with uh to keep up with Kmet. Sparacio, five eleven, two twenty five. I mean, that's Zach Thomas territory. So I mean this this team's not incredibly great sized on defense. You know, six one, three hundred across the defensive line. That's T T J Raham or Ram. Uh, you know, no, so nothing incredibly special. Again, there's no Harold Landry on this team. You know, there's no corner that particularly scares me. Another one, Brandon Sebastian, six foot one, one ninety. Nothing, nothing there that scares you. So again, just attack that. Same with what we did with Navy. Same way we did with Duke. Um, I do find BC to be more talented than Duke. I will say that. Uh, when we get to the offense after the break coming up, um, you'll see what I mean. I find them to be a little more talented. They're a little ouchy at quarterback. They actually do have a game breaker, possibly a couple that we need to keep an eye on. But, uh, you know, again, undermatch or overmatched team on the other side of the ball, not as physically gifted. Do what you've done the last two weeks. This game should look about like Duke did two weeks ago, maybe slightly more competitive early, but it's senior day. And, and again, I guess that might be a reason for a lull in the action. Uh, but it's senior day, man. Come out, do what you're supposed to do. Let's get to this 10 wins and then let the chips fall where they may. I I, I mean, I'll give my prediction after the break uh, to the end, wrap up the show. And, um, you know, I, th- there's nothing special that needs to be done. You're the bigger team. You have more size. You have more speed. Uh, the, off- the defensive line for Boston College is getting moved all around the field um, against all their opponents. Um, they can score. They can definitely score, and we'll talk about that after the break when we switch over to the offense. All right, welcome back in. While we're at it here, let's give a quick shout-out to our friends at DoorDash. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurant come to you. With DoorDash right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCKEDON. Listening on the go? If you can't visit DoorDash right now, you can find this and all of our other offers from Locked On Sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. So let's talk Irish against BC offense. So really, again, it's going to come down to A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon, A.J. Dillon. Before I dive into him, though, let's talk a little bit about their offense overall. Uh, they're 12th in the country in uh, average yards per game, 483.7. They're fifth in rushing, 282.2. 33.8 points a game. I, I didn't expect that, actually. I, I thought their offense was a little bit more anemic than that, but that's that's pretty solid. And they've scored over 30 um, seven times this season. Season high of 59 against Syracuse. Season low of seven against, yeah, you guessed it, Clemson. Um, you know, 
and looking at those numbers, you're like, wow, you know, 12th in the country in yards per game. But you flip back over to the defense, or just final thought on the defense is they're near the bottom in the FBS and pretty much all categories. They give up almost 500 yards a game, 486.9. They give up 302 yards uh, of passing, 184.6 yards of rushing. They're giving up 32 points a game, so their point differential is about a point and a half um, in their favor. But, you know, nothing sticks out that one hand you're like, man, this is really good. You're looking at, is this an eight and six, seven, eight win team? On the flip side of that, you're like, has this team even won a game? You know, well, they have Richmond sprinkled in there. So did they win more than one game? They have Kansas in there, but they got beat by Kansas. So overall, you can see how this team is just very young on defense. And I feel like probably being undersized has a lot to do with that. So let's get to A.J. Dillon real quick. I mean, this guy, he's a stud. I, I followed this kid's recruiting. I really enjoy watching this kid play. I just hope that he doesn't have too much mileage on the tires for when he gets to the NFL and uh, he can make his money. Um, he has 400 or 4,100 yards um, in his career, uh, 1,451 yards this season. He will probably break his career long, uh, uh, most career yards in a season. He had 1,589 his freshman year. A little ouchy last year. He was just over 1,000. Um, but I got to believe that he'll, you know, he's 139 yards to surpass um, his season total their season high total. So I, I, I see that. I mean, I think he'll probably get a hundred against us. The kid's good. He's good. And he's a load. He's around 240 pounds, a little bit of a threat out of the backfield, 10 catches, 163 and a touchdown. Nothing too crazy though. Nothing that we can't account for. Uh, but Drew White, I'm looking at you, my friend Jay. Okay. I'm looking at you. Make it happen. Make it happen. Lions got to do their job. They have a pretty decent line. They can create holes for this cat. Um, again, I, I only got to go back and rewatch, um, Florida state this morning. I wish I'd have watched some others, but when I was watching the Florida state game, you know, AJ is not one to come out there and just, you know, he's going to make his own whole Barry Sanders style. No, he's, he's going to kind of rely on his line to create some holes. Um, so just something to think about our defensive lines got to come to play. And if they make mistakes, linebackers, Asmir Bilal, Looking at you guys, got to step up, got to fill the hole. And this cat's got some speed too. Don't don't get it twisted. He will take one to the house. Absolutely take one to the house. So he has season high, uh, his season high rushing game came against Syracuse. Again, they've ceased to play football anymore this year with 242 yards. Rushed for only 76 against Clemson. Again, I already said he's, you know, kind of a receiving threat. Just kind of got to keep an eye on him. 16 yards a catch. Now, as the most popular question will go, Anthony Brown is out. Um, you might want to ask if you don't follow BC at all, kind of a new opponent to you. Anthony Brown is their quarterback. Solid guy, 81 at the 137, 12.50 on the year. Took care of the ball as far as not turning it over. Nine touchdowns to two interceptions. And could get it done with his legs, 126 yards rushing. But he's out for the year. They got a new guy in there, Dennis Grossall, or Grossell. Um Nothing super impressive, under 50% um, passing percentage or completion percentage. He doesn't turn it over, though. So think Tommy Rees kind of, he's going to throw the ball and, you know, throw it in third row of the stands to try to, you know, get rid or avoid the mistake. Um, best game so far was against Syracuse. He was 8 of 10 for 195, three TDs. Are you seeing a trend here with this Syracuse game? Um, he was also 20 of 29, 227, two touchdowns. 
Uh, seven carries for 30 and one rushing TD against Florida State. I will say he's not a running threat in the truest sense of a running threat. But again, I watched Florida State. He dropped back to pass, and it was a design draw. And he has some speed. Um, he's not going to take it to the house from the 20 uh, or 25 after a touchback. But on a second and 10, if you're not paying attention, he will get 10 to 15 to 20 yards. He has that much speed. It's not like, and he's going to look to try to get out of bounds or maybe potentially run you over. He's kind of a big kid. Um, let me check that, actually, because I'm not sure if he's as big as I think he is. He looked big in the game I was watching. Hey, 6'1", 220. You know, full head of steam against a corner. That could, you know, a corner sitting on their heels. Troy Pride looking at you. You know, Jalen Elliott, make sure you're stepping up. Lohi Gilman, I don't worry about him. He always brings the noise. And, you know, speaking of Elliott, man, I'll get to it in tomorrow's show. And I don't mean to segue too much, but, man, that guy's just tremendously turned his career around. I can't wait to talk about him on tomorrow's show. Uh, but let's round out the offense, and uh, hopefully you guys get you a prediction, and I hope you guys really appreciate the preview today. I know it's a lot of stat-based, but I uh, wanted to throw something together for you to give you a preview of Holy War Week. So um, i got another running back that's going to compliment um, A.J. Dillon back there, David Bailey, 119 carries, 760. He's getting 6.4 a clip, seven touchdowns, but he is questionable for Saturday, and I do not know what his injury is. So uh, tweet at the show. Give us a reminder if you can find it because I'm not real sure what it is. But nice thunder and lightning. Well, thunder and thunder back there. 240 pounds and 250 pounds, respectively. Um, That's a lot of beef, in other words. So backers, you know, clog those holes, defensive line, make them turn their shoulders. Do not let them go go downhill because they're going to fall forward, especially in short-distance situations. It's extremely vital keep ourselves out of a third and one, third and two. And if we do find ourselves in that situation, we have to reestablish the line of scrimmage. That's the bottom line. Um, as far as their receiving core, Hunter Long, 21 catches, 411, leads the team. He is a load at tight end. I know we talk about Komet being a load. Um, this guy's not as athletic, at least it doesn't appear. He runs relatively stiff, but he's 6'5", 255. That's a lot for somebody out there. He's going to be bigger than Drew White. Um, whoever's matched up against him is going to have to be blanketing this guy because a jump ball in the end zone could be a little bit of trouble. Um, Kobe White, uh, he is the, so as far as specifically wide receivers, so they have a tight end that's their leading um, reception getter as far as yards. Uh, Leader in receptions on the team is Kobe White. He led the team in receiving last year, um, second on the team in 2017. This year he's only got 22 catches for 363, five touchdowns. And a lot of that could have to do with uh, Anthony Brown, the starting quarterback, being out. Um, another guy doing my research here, um, just to keep an eye out for because of how they use him, is Zay Flowers, 5'11", 170. He, you know, he has 24 carries, and he's got 19 catches. So they're going to use him in kind of a slash roll. 199 yards rushing, 312 receiving. Uh, more of a receiver. He's listed as a wide receiver. Three touchdowns um, on uh, three touchdowns as a wide receiver, and he also has ran one in. So just somebody to kind of keep an eye on. You know they're going to slip him around. Uh, he's really kind of small, but he can he can move. Um, don't let this kid get in space. We've got to be locked up on this guy all day long. So my keys to victory for tomorrow: uh, pretty simple. Play our game. We're the more talented team. I know I sound like a broken record, and it's not very analytical. But it's the truth. You got a backup quarterback in there who's not crazily efficient by any stretch. 
Uh, make him drop back, throw the ball away, keep the wide receivers blo- uh, kind of just locked down all day. Make sure this tight end isn't a bailout. You know, if A.J. Dillon can't get going, don't let them get bailed out by a quarterback who's not very good. Um, again, it comes down to A.J. Dillon. Is he going to get going? I even think if he, I think A.J. could have an 150-yard day, and I still think we could win this game by two or three touchdowns. Um, right now the line's 20 and a half. Uh, that's a big line, three touchdown favorites over BC. I mean, I would take that right now all day long with the way we're playing. Like I said, I think this team's slightly better than Duke. Um, and then, all, you know, as far as defending them, like I said, A.J. Dillon, that's it. Um, as far as attacking them, you know, don't let Richardson go crazy on you. You know, don't let him get free and just cause havoc because he, you know, 14 of his tackles are from behind the line of scrimmage. So don't let that happen. Move the line of scrimmage around. We have a nice offensive line. Let's prove for one week that we can actually run the ball. Let's do it. One week. Let's prove we can actually run the ball. So uh, prediction for this week, I do think they get on the board a couple times. Um, I love the fact of what I discovered with their kicker. Again, I find that to be an extra defender. If, I, if I'm if i allowed to force you to kick over 30 yards and I got a 50-50 chance you're not walking away with points, that's huge. That is huge with a team that's not very explosive and just likes to run the ball because we could get in a lot of situations where they're, you know, having to try a field goal from the 25, 42-yarder, and you got a coin flip. I'll, I like those odds. I like them a lot. So a prediction for tomorrow, I'm going to go 42-14 Irish. Um, I think it's close early. We don't play particularly well on senior day, and we also don't play real well at all the day after or the week after Navy. Um, I didn't get to get to that this week. I might talk about it a little bit tomorrow, but the week after Navy, we do not play well. Um, so with that and with senior day, not playing that good sometimes, emotional, this and that, I could see us being 14-7, maybe like a 21-7, 21-14 going into the break, and then we kind of run away with it late. So 42-14 Irish is what I see. Um, so yeah, I hope everybody enjoys their Friday. Get out and support some high school uh, playoff football. I know what's going on in your area. Some teams are a little further ahead than others. We have still have two more weeks before the um, state championships here in Ohio. So just go out and support these kids, man. They've been busting their butt. I know in our state we're in week 13. So, uh, yeah, these kids have been working extremely hard. So get out there. Support your local team tonight. What else you got to do on a Friday evening? It's cold. So what? They make hand warmers. Games go really quick. Get there at 630. You're out of there by 9, 915. So go out there, support your local team. Again, Locked On Irish is available on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast apps. Make sure you give us a follow on Twitter. Tell your friends, at Locked On Irish. We are the official podcast of, well, the official Notre Dame podcast. I'll land that at some point. The German judge probably gave that a five on that run. We are the official Notre Dame podcast of the Locked On Podcast Network. So till tomorrow, tomorrow we'll talk uh, Notre Dame Toledo and we will talk about this senior class and just the impact they've had on the program and where they're at. Um, You know, some of them aren't even with the program anymore. So till then, go Irish.